Macariar to Stokes, who's onside. One Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. And welcome to episode 50 of the Saints FC podcast. Half centenary. That's that's a bit of a uh, that's a bit of a milestone, Tom, isn't it? No, who'd have thought we'd get here, John? <laughs> who, who would have <laughs> thunk it? Um, I I would actually like to say at this point, it's probably a good good point to say a big thanks to our listeners. And Tom, I'm just going to read out some rather. I I think they're quite splendid little facts. Uh, for us, um, so do we want to start with? Um, I don't know. Sh- should we go with kind of like the furthest flung listeners? Excellent. So okay. this is uh, geographical distance to London. Well, I've not not worked it out, <laughs> um, but you know, as you'd perhaps expect, our biggest listenership is in the United Kingdom. Reassuring. Um, then the United States of America, probably the furthest away is New Zealand. You don't really, can't really get much further no. than that. But it's kind of the other ones that I like to kind of... The ones which just catch you by surprise, like um, hello to our 16 listeners in the Philippines. Wow, 16? Yeah, that's prob- that's probably one Saints fan listening 16 times, uh, I think. Either um, good. You know, obviously Channel Islands, you'd expect that with the yeah. whole Matt Letizia connection. Uh, Japan. I wonder if they could be your friends, Tom. They could be, we uh, are. That we'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, China, Iceland. I wonder who the Icelandic Saints are. Uh, Cambodia. I I think I know someone who's heading there for their honeymoon. That's that's, that's me, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zambia. I'm quite pleased with that one. We've got a Z. Tajikistan, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Nepal, Morocco. I I like to think the Nepalese ones, maybe someone you know, going up Mount Everest, listening to the Saints so FC podcast. As we drove him onto the peak. Yeah. Chad, Dominican Republic. Chad. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, so the, anyway. Yeah. Chad, the biggest country in Africa. Um, I just made that up. What geographically yeah, in terms yeah, of size? Square, square mile. Yeah, it could be. Anyway, say <laughs> hello to Saints fans all over the world. We would absolutely love to hear from you if you are, you know, out abroad, um, whether you're an expat, whether you're just, that kind of like random uh, El Salvadorian Saints fan. We, you know, we, we want to hear from you. Um, it'd be great, great to, to hear from you. Um, one Saints fan who is actually traveling around India did get in touch, Chris Bevan Lee. He's listening to Saints FC podcast whilst uh, uh, hoofing it around India. And um, he's come up with a Hoiberg chant. So I don't know if this is kind of like Bollywood inspired. Okay. Tom, you know, you know what the, the, the deal is here. Are you able to read that? Yeah, I can see that. Okay. He, he hasn't given us a tune, but there is a Titanic reference. So he feels it's fitting for Southampton. Okay. Do you want to go for it? Uh, I will. Cause you make me, um, oi, oi, Hoiberg hits it like an iceberg. Maybe we should make him our new captain. Maybe it is, again, another Boney M one. Yeah, could, could be, couldn't it? Could yeah, it like, 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 instinctively oi, go oi, towards Boney M. Yeah. yeah, hits it like an iceberg. Interesting. I'm sure yeah. what that I mean, hitting icebergs for you know things from Southampton has not necessarily no. worked out particularly well in the icebergs past. icebergs very slow? Yeah. Um, I'm hey. sure he's referencing the Titanic, and the Titanic was pretty quick for its time. It was. But after it hit an iceberg... Things went downhill. Yeah, things <laughs> went in pretty much the same direction that things are going for Saints anyway. So, yeah, um, maybe a slightly more positive slant on that. But, I, you know, I, I agree. I'd like to see Hoiberg as our captain. I think it makes sense to make him the on-pitch captain. Yeah, I think I think um, Bertrand, let's say, is not enamoured himself to the fans. No. So I, th- I think Hoiberg will be a popular choice. Anyway, so um, if you'd like to get in contact like Chris has done, you know how to do it. It's saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at saintsfcpodcast. Um, 
Should we have a little chat with Jeremy Wilson at this point? Do that, John. Do, 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 do. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm delighted to have Jeremy Wilson from the Daily Telegraph on the line. How are you, Jeremy? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Jeremy, as a Saints fan, it's it's proving to be a tough season to support the Saints, isn't it, at the moment? It is, yeah. Yeah, sort of the, the hope of a bit of bounce from the staying up last season hasn't really happened and it seems to has that fear of a sort of steady decline at the moment, I suppose, from the last um, year or two. So, yeah, that, I think that I think the way that the team stayed up, there's that sort of hope that it might kind of roll in over into the season. They've seemed like a bit of optimism, and Mark Hughes seemed to have a sort of support of the of the fans and everything. But it's it's uh, yeah, the, I, I think the problem is the, the the issues in the team, sort of namely. The obvious things really I suppose a kind of lack of attacking pace and sort of a bit of unpredictability that kind of Mane factor that was in the team before hasn't really been replaced and I think that is still really lacking and, and then I think the knock-on is that is the sort of confidence becomes an issue the lack of goals becomes an issue and um, even when we get a lead there's not you, you sort of have that feeling that it's uh that they're going to struggle to see it out so it's a bit you know the the only bit of sort of glint of light at the moment is the fact that there's quite a few bad teams in the division so um you know someone did some statistics on it today and i think i think saints were if we carry on as we are we'll, we'll finish on about 25 or 27 points something oh like goodness. that it was and, and and yet and yet we stayed up so i mean that i mean it's a really odd division because the top four or five are sort of all all on the kind of points tally that would normally win the league and the bottom sort of seven or eight are on the kind of points tally that would normally be sure to get relegated so it's a, it's a slightly unusual premier league so far yeah, I did, you, you mentioned a few points about kind of like Saints issues there. Um, one I want to kind of pick on, pick up on, especially today, is the stuff that happened um, at that kind of like director chairman level last week with with Les mm. Reed um, being sacked and Martin Hunter being sacked as well. And I, I read your kind of little article on that. I mean, clearly there is a malaise across the club that seems to be in every single element of the club at the moment do we think this is going to change anything is it going to turn stuff around is, is there a glint of hope that us fans can kind of um cling on to <laughs> the thing that slightly worried me reading ralph Kruger's interviews that he did with the with the local media with the echo and with the Solon, i think i think he did is the um is there didn't seem like there was a lot of money there and I don't get the impression that the owners are really not quite it's very different to when the Liebherr family first came in and they were clearly keen to invest keen to get the club in the Premier League and that was sort of their their business plan as well as their sort of ambition I don't think that's I think it's just trying to trying to stay in the Premier League and in those sort of revenue streams that the Premier League gets um in on a sort of self-sustaining budget it seems to be the aim of 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 the the current ownership uh so the the fact that ralph kruger said there wasn't or suggested there wasn't a sort of enormous amount of money was a bit worrying because i think when van dyke was sold at the end of december i know that money has been spent since then and it sort of felt like the summer business was was reasonably positive It, it I was disappointed last January because I really thought when Van Dyke went, the fact that the deal was done early, done in December, you sort of thought it was done for a reason and it was done because something fairly eye-catching would happen quickly after and that just didn't it didn't pan out that way at all. So that, that, that side of it worries me. I just don't think there's an... Uh, there's, not, there's not the approach to investing and spending putting in extra money from the ownership that you know and a lot of clubs don't do that and you know there's a whole different argument about whether people should expect the owner to to fund a club anyway and whether that's healthy that's a whole different debate but it's the fact of the matter is that was kind of how the Lee pairs were doing it early on they were they were they might have been putting loans on the clubs that eventually 
may have had to be paid back, but they were spending quite a lot of money relative to where the club was, whereas now that's not really happening. And it seems it just seems that it's hard without really good work on the recruitment side and on the training ground, if that's your model, to, to, to really push on. It is possible still to, to be successful with that type of model, but you, you do need to be doing really well in recruitment and on the training ground, the, the coaching, the manager, and, and those two departments as well have not been... You know, when, when Pochettino or Koeman were, were the manager, you, it, that those departments plus the recruitment were performing really well. So it was it was okay if if they were in some transfer windows, sort of cashing in or or being having to sell sell a lot of players. But now, you know, I don't think Hughes. I thought I, I thought to be fair to Hughes, I thought when he came in, I thought the team did improve, even though we didn't really get that many points at the end of the season. And it was obviously there was the. The win at Swansea was was decisive, but I didn't think that I did think that we did improve. I did think we were a lot better team in a lot of those games, like the Arsenal Chelsea game. There were different games that we might not have got points from or many points from, but we did we did look a much better team after after the change of manager. Even though we were still a bit lucky to stay up and a bit dependent on other teams falling away, but I just. I just don't haven't really seen that since the start of the season. I think we've regressed. Really, we look a worse team. I mean, the Chelsea compare the Chelsea games at the end of the season to the one at the beginning of the season. There's a big, 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 big difference really in the performance level, which is quite worrying. And then when you look at sort of Hughes's wider record, um, sort of at Stoke. I mean, I, I, I sort of I, I think it's easy as fans. To and I think a lot of fans of a lot of clubs are very dismissive quickly of managers and they'll sort of say oh, he was a failure there and he was this and that everywhere but actually I don't think I think if you go through Hughes's record it's he, he obviously had a very bad time at QPR but apart from that he's, he's had decent periods um, everywhere he's he's been and Stoke had some good seasons under him so I don't you know I think to be fair to him I don't think his record is on balance um too bad, but the, I suppose the worry is that he's he seemed to he sort of came off that job and then into this one, and he's not really. If you sort of add up his last year or two um, in the Premier League, it's not it's not particularly pretty for him at the moment. So that's a that's a bit of a worry, and it seems to have it, it does feel like there's a bit of a psychological issue there now as well, in, especially in terms of when we get ahead in games. There's a definite a definite problem there that they just don't seem to have got over a sort of just finding a way to get over the line and I know that there was a lot of frustration on Saturday with the sort of manner of, you know and Austin's goal and everything but you can't, it's, it's difficult to I, 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 as much as it was really frustrating I think it's not particularly good for anyone to, especially inside it's fine for the fans to be furious and all the rest of it but I think inside the club, they've got to be quite realistic about the fact that it's only one. I think it's one home game isn't it, this season, uh, this year, and and that a lot of leads have been thrown away. And Watford might have had a penalty in the game anyway. And it's sort of uh, just to just to sort of focus everything on that, which was a bit bit what the post match reaction was. I'm sure when they come in on come in after the weekend and in the cold light of day they do look at everything and look at what's gone wrong and what should be improved but I'd be quite worried if they were just simply sort of pointing fingers at referees because um it's you know it's part of a pattern basically to 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 not get over the line in a home game and it wasn't and that wasn't the only important decision in the match as well right. sort of another one went went with us so I don't, I don't think you can sort of over as, as frustrating as it was I don't think it would be beneficial to overly um, sort of focus on that. No, I th- what I found kind of quite interesting about last week and the, and the sacking of Reed is I think probably a lot of us were maybe expecting Hughes might be, you know, might might have his head on the line. But the noises coming out from the club and from Kruger look like you know Hughes has still got the job at, at least for the short or the medium term um, because they don't really have anyone on the board left who can make that sort of decision in, in appointing a new manager. So we're a little bit in limbo at the moment. Yeah, the information, as much as I know, is that they are they do want to replace Lesri, they do want to replace him from outside. So I don't think Ross Wilson, who um, who's sort of been the head of recruitment, uh, as you know, is is going to step up. I think they want to 
bring somebody in to to do Les Reed's job. So until that happens, I guess it's quite difficult, as you say, if they were to change manager, who would lead that process? Um, you know, I guess it would be sort of Ross Wilson, Ralph Kruger would be the sort of senior people, but they I think you would expect there'd be someone else that would that would oversee that before that could or might happen. I think in terms of Mark Hughes's job, I think the the feeling, the sort of sense that I get is that I I think that and and, and I think a lot of fans shared this thought as well. It just it got to the point where it wasn't really tenable to keep changing manager without the person or the people who were doing the recruitment at some point taking responsibility for where, where things have gone wrong and I think I, I do think with Les Reed you've got to look at the big picture I do think in in the cold light of day you'd have his his sort of contribution has been very positive over the over the, the sort of full course and okay the, the, the club had had money and they had good managers at different times but the bottom line is they were you know we were in league one when he, he came in and you'd go to the training grounds you go to the academy it's quite the place was transformed uh, in that period the last few years have not been the, the recruitment's not gone well and but I, I think it had just got to the point where it wasn't sort of tenable to say let's go for a what would have been a fourth manager in sort of what two and a bit years is that right yeah. something like that um and, and sort of continuously say it's the manager's fault. Having said that, I do think Hughes is now... It, I, I do think what... I think the significant thing about what happened last week is that the board and what's left of the board after Les Reed's gone, they're, they're not going to wait until February this year if if things don't improve. I think there was a definite feeling at the end of last season that they got it wrong by waiting and that they took they risked... The, the club's Premier League status, and it, you know, it could have. Let's be honest, it could have gone the other way last last season. It was, it was a bit, a bit because of an upturn in performances, and a bit because of other clubs basically falling as well. So I think that that what what we saw is this feeling: we can't let it slide. We have to do things. We have to make changes. And I think this was the first part of that. And if obviously if results improve, then that's fine. That will be all that happens. But I think if we get to Christmas time or December, well into December, and certainly the jet with the January window coming. If there's not, if if we're still sort of down around where we are now, or even in the bottom three, I would expect them to change the manager as well. I mean, I don't, I don't know that for sure, but I, my feeling, my very strong feeling this 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 year from sort of speaking to people around the club, <coughs> excuse me, is that they they want to act um, and not not let it slide this year. So. Uh, I don't think Hughes is under immediate pressure, but I don't think equally it will. Be, I, I don't think they'll sort of not not leave it as it is if things don't improve. <coughs> right, Jeremy, uh, I'm going to ask you one very last kind of quickfire question before I let you get on. If um, let's say Hughes is sacked around Christmas time, January time, who would you like to see come in and, and take over as, as the Saints manager <coughs> for the rest of the season? Crikey! <laughs> I haven't had any. I haven't had to, any. I haven't even given that a second thought, to be honest. Um, Jesus, can, <laughs> can I? Can I come back to you on that? Can I come on another time? I tell you what. Why, why, why don't you have a little think about it and text me, and we'll drop it onto the show later tonight. Yeah, drop it onto the show later because I haven't. Do, do you know? I haven't even stopped to think about that for a second. So uh, I wouldn't want to sort of shout out a name and that I've not really thought properly about. I think that they should go for someone that fits fits with the model that they want to do, um, and and stick with it this time rather than sort of. I, I think they they tried too hard to do that with the sort of appointments with Puel and Pellegrino, but I think they do need to they do need to to try and find someone that fits with their their recruitment and what they want to do. And I think that would depend a lot on who comes in as well um, in the Les Reed job. Yeah. But I'll text you. I'll text you a better thought out because I think a lot of it flows from who comes in in the other job as well. Yeah. All right, brilliant. Thanks. Very I think much, Paul Jeremy. Mitchell's been a big miss as well. I'd, I'd yeah. add in that in terms of who they then bring in. Well, I, I suggested <laughs> maybe he really should be the person they bring me. in instead of uh, Les Reed. He would be. He would. He would to me would be. He to me is the one of the big. So if we're talking about someone they should go and get, 
I don't know the sort of exact details of the relationships, but he's obviously at Leipzig now. And I don't, you know, I think he left, as far as I know, in good, you know, in, in pretty good terms. Although he went to Tottenham, he, he left Tottenham and he's at Leipzig, and he he was outstanding in that job that he did, sort of working very closely with Pochettino and uh, Cortese when he was at the club. And I think he would be someone that, if you look at his record at Saints and then at Tottenham. And then you sort of look at where Saints have slipped a little bit in the last few years. There is a sort of correlation with when he's with when he's he's departed. And I think he wanted a bigger bigger role at a club, and that might have been part of to do with his sort of Tottenham exit. I don't know exactly, but I think he was someone that was seen that could step up into a wider a wider role. So I think he would he would be someone that. You know, if they could, if they could persuade him to come back, would be he was a, a really sort of impressive figure. I thought at the club, so he would he would have a better answer than me as well on the on the manager <laughs> front because he's, I mean, he he was uh, like Les Reed. He was very across, you know, all the trends in Europe and who the uh, who who the sort of coming managers were and the different managers were that they could consider. And I think that they should should be, you know, they should go for someone that fits the the model and stick with it this time someone who fits what they want to do in the long term but it has to be sort of someone in partnership with whoever places led Reed. Reed. i think one sort of follows the other really so um but the ho- you know let's hope mark hughes can can so, turn yeah. it around first because i don't as i said i don't think i think that certain managers do get a bit of a bad press you know and it's sort of like uh, you know, you go on social media or whatever, and I, I read that Mark Hughes has been a failure everywhere, or I read that, you know, if Harry Redknapp, you know, he's having this row with Gary Neville, he was rubbish everywhere, and this person was rubbish. And it's not right. It's, it's a nonsense. If you go through, you know, Arsene Wenger's a fraud or whatever, you know, it's, it's you go through their, their managerial track records, and these people, they, they, I mean, those ones I've just mentioned have managed some of the most games in the Premier League. And I think all three of them are in the top five or six most games in the Premier League and they've yeah, they've had bad periods and they've had good periods at clubs but they they've had some very good periods at clubs as well. And I think you can't you know, in fairness to Mark Hughes, he's he's had some you know, his job that he did at Fulham, Blackburn and early on at Stoke, you know, there's a you have to sort of accept the possibility that he's a good manager and he could turn it around still. And I think that's the sort of hope in the in the short term, but I do, I do think that they'll make a change if if things haven't improved by January. All right, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. Okay, thanks for having me. So, just got off the phone with Jeremy Wilson, um, sports uh, correspondent at the Daily Telegraph. Um, used to be at the Daily Echo. Big Saints fan himself. Um, I mean, what 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 did you make of Jeremy Wilson's comments? I, I know we kind of like kept it kind of quite board focused in terms of my questioning, but he did talk about the team quite a lot as well. Um, the thing that really struck me is um, he's clearly I know he's a professional sports writer and obviously has no allegiances, but he's also clearly a Saints fan. And uh, the thing that struck me was how he sounds like most Saints fans, just entirely fed up. Yeah, you know, I can't work out if he's got like a heavy cold or he's just having to watch. I think I think he probably had a heavy cold yeah. as well. Um, yeah, but no, he sounded pretty fed up. But I think he he raised some some really important points. So you know, the Telegraph, we've you know, it's no secret we've mentioned it loads times before. Seems to be the sort of go to paper for Saints for their for their comms team to sort of get news out there. So you you think he's probably got a pretty good inside line on on what the club's thinking, even if he does play it down. Mm. Um, interestingly things they you know I think it was kind of on Hughes they won't get rid of him but also they won't take as long to get rid of him as they took to get rid of <laughs> Pellegrino which I'm not sure what that means yeah it's kind of again a bit of a will they won't they situation it certainly seems like in the club's short term strategy doesn't involve getting rid of Mark Hughes the club's short term strategy involves getting someone in who then should they be need should they need to will be the person who can then replace Mark Hughes using their contacts their knowledge of the game which um you know when you look at it with Les Reed out of the picture um the the board or the ownership board as we heard about from uh, Ralph Kruger in his interview with the yeah. Daily Echo is um two members of the Gal family so that's Gal and his daughter yeah Nelly 
We've got Katrina Lieber. Yeah, who's got 20% stake. Yeah, we've got the finance lady. Isn't that Nelly or is that No, 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 else? Nelly's, uh, there's another. Oh, there's, and another. Then, oh, there's and a then, Chinese finance yeah, lady yeah. which they didn't name. Yeah, and then we've got Ralph Kruger. Yeah. So that's five people in charge of decision making at the club who basically don't know anything no, about and football the, at all. And there was a story in the Times today, it was kind of a diary piece yeah, in the sports section about how um, apparently how uh, Gao will select the next manager himself because he's been unimpressed with the last two that have been on this. seriously say that in the Times. Yeah, it does say that in today's Times. So how much truth there is in that, um, I don't know. Hopefully none, but he wouldn't be the first Chinese owner to make... Some pretty interesting. I mean, yeah. think of Cardiff's. Oh, well, he wasn't Chinese. He's was he Malaysian. Malaysian. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's well. You know, there's there's a couple of arguments in there. One is they can't really pick anyone who's going to mm. do much worse than the incumbent. Um, but yeah, weird. And you're right. Like if you think about it, there's a total dearth of footballing knowledge there. Um, it's just so nuts. Yeah. Um, Jeremy did actually suggest a replacement for Les Reed, which is interesting. It's one of the names that I suggested to my brother when uh, he was here last week, which is Paul Mitchell, who is a man that has been at Saints before, um, was heavily involved in the recruitment, was heavily involved in the kind of the good period of uh, the Les Reed era, if that's what we want to call it. So you think of the eight years that Les Reed was there, things went very well. Um, probably for five of the, yeah, you know, you'd argue for five, five. Years, I say, yeah. And you could even argue the 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 Puel year was actually was a, it was a golden year by <laughs> what we got now. Yeah, I mean, it's funny what the the truth of uh, or you know perspective can can do to you know past uh, figures. Um, but yeah, so Paul Mitchell, interesting. You know, uh, Jeremy was obviously very very impressed with Paul Paul Mitchell. The times that he met him, the times that he spoke to him. He's a young guy. Um, he's he's done it before for Saints, and you know potentially he's up, you know, for that step up. But you know, what, but what's the job? I mean, like, yeah, football. You're, you're basically in charge of the way. So the manager is just one of the cogs, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that's the, the modern way, isn't it? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, the club needs a... I mean, I think they, they kind of glossed over it in their statement when they talked about Reed, but they say, you know, we're conducting, I think, a, a thorough investigation of all football activities. Mm. Um, you know, there's a, there's a really good... Uh, again, like we spoke about before, Shirley Mush uh, has written a really good post on St. Mary's Musings about this. But, like, and you know, it's not a particularly original thought, but he's very eloquent way he puts it, which is the club has lost its way. Yeah. Like, absolutely lost its way. Like, it's funny now, like, you almost... No names in the reserve team, the under twenty three teams, as well as you know names of the players in the first team because yeah. they're just the same guys like Smallbone, um, Valerie. You know the, these guys that seem to I score almost. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. scoring like week in week out. Yeah, yeah. You know, for you know um, Teller. You know, they, they seem to be scoring like week in week out, and, and it's weird because like where is you know again? Sorry, I'm kind of jumping over the place, but where's the pipeline for those guys? Yeah. But one of uh, Shirley Mush's kind of more original thoughts, or I suppose slightly different from the narrative that's out there amongst Saints fans, is he wasn't pinning it all on Les Reed, and he's not particularly hopeful about Les Reed leaving. So Shirley Mush kind of recognises the good work that Les did in the four or five years um, before things started to get a little bit sour. Um, but really kind of like actually saying we shouldn't be focusing our hatred towards Les Reed, who was actually quite instrumental in some of the good things that happened, um, you know, throughout the early Marcus Lieber ownership, the rise up through the divisions. But actually, we should be pointing the finger of blame at the owners. Um, and he makes comparisons between you know schools and government and the people that government actually serve, not necessarily being the people um, who voted for them. But yeah, I mean, it, he's, he's got an interesting point though, hasn't he? And, and it is a little bit worrying. So with Les Reed gone and with that ownership board in place... They've really got to get someone in quite quickly who who does know about football and can step into those shoes and maybe freshen up that Les Reed role. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I, I don't necessarily agree with this hatred of the owners. I don't think the owners have... It's amazing how the owners have not communicated at all to the fans. I think that is a, a real boo-boo. I think it's, re- not only, I think it's weird. It's weird. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind also, of 101, you'd think. Yeah. 
Um, but I, you know, the, the club's malaise goes further back than Gao. Um, you know, they've lost their way in terms of the young players coming through the style of football. You know, we saw on Saturday our third formation so far in 11 games this season. Whether we'll see it again, we don't know. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at what, you know, you've got to judge, all you can really do is judge Gao by what he's done. All right, he's not spoke to the fans, which is bad, which is weird because it's free. So you think yeah. he'd just do it. Uh, and I'll say he'd do it via their own website. So he's got complete control over the yeah. copy. You know, like nothing's going to go wrong. Uh, no one's saying he should be interviewed by the Sun. Yeah. But what's weird is, is you know, he, he back Hughes. You know, like he's back Hughes. And not this is this isn't weird, but, you know, Saints fans have got it in for Gal. Mark Hughes must have gone to him this summer and said, right, I'm your new manager. Here's the players I want. I want arms. I want, you know, uh, the, here's the players I'm, uh, I can, that are on offer to me. These are the ones I want. I want Armstrong. No, I want, it's, see, I, I think I if, you, if, you look at, if you look at Hughes's press conference before the game at Watford, he made it quite clear that he didn't have as much involvement in the transfers as he wanted. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, Vestigar's not been getting a place. It's almost Hughes saying to the board... The players that you've given me are not good enough. I don't want these players. I want my own players. When in Mark Hughes's managerial career has anything happened to Mark Hughes that's been bad, that's been Mark Hughes's fault? All right, Saturday, you know, yeah, we had a, a goal disallowed. But, like, every week, you know, like, it, the boy who cried wolf, so, like, it's just, it just doesn't have an impact yeah. anymore. He's, it, it demeans him as a, as a man, you know, and as, as someone who was such a strong, tough, no-nonsense footballer. Um, it demeans the club because yeah. it's just we're just becoming a bit of a joke that oh yeah no matter what happens you know Saints can score 17 own goals it'll be because the linesman you know gave a wrong throw in in the first half like it, it you know Hughes everything with Hughes suggests that he is a man that struggles to take the blame yeah and what the club are doing right now with this kind of you know like Charlie Austin's interview everyone loves it it's great it's like a very it's a very Trump thing to do. Mm. So Trump fires the Attorney General, biggest thing he's done, like catastrophic constitutional thing. All anyone talks about is some reporter that gets barred from a press conference. You know, like no like we need to face up and Jeremy Mays is a really good point, which is like, you know, again, Southampton have failed to win at home. It's one win this calendar year. Again they've failed to hold on to a lead. Again they've failed to score more than one goal. Just this calendar year. You know, that's one win since November last year. That's, that's a full twelve months. I mean, not, not just twenty eighteen. So what's that? That's one. So that's the last one before that was the Everton game. Yeah. Which I've said it before. I always remember it because it's when I, I the week after I got engaged. So yeah. that, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> that's when life was good. <laughs> that was when everything. <laughs> so I had money in my pocket. Um. So you know, like, I I don't go with this. I you know, a I don't go with this. Like you know, it's not Hughes's fault. B, I think yeah, maybe Reed does deserve more credit because if you mm. think like. Football's like politics, isn't it? Most careers end in failure. He, Les you, Reed you, did, you, had five or six good years out of eight, and that's more than most people will get out of the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, should, should we move on from this? I mean, basically, the, the main topic of discussion at the club, which is perhaps because it's a little bit more interesting than the performances, which are so predictable, yeah. is what on earth is going on at the top, you know? Um, the Gow family... They've spent their £210 million on the club and they want the club to be sustainable. I mean, financially sustainable club, that sounds like a very sensible thing, but as a fan, you want to see them invest money and blah, 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 which is what happened under Marcus Lieber and it was really fun. Yeah, but they've spent money and it, the money, the, the players they bought have been pony. You yeah. know, it's not like they've not invested. Like, how much they spent on basketball? Like 18 million? Yeah. We've got £35 million worth of young attacking footballers out on loan that you'll probably never see in a Saints show ever again in Carillo, Carillo and Buffal. Buffal. Yeah. You know, you know they've spent 17 million on Vestergaard it can't get off the bench they've spent what 50 million on El Yanusi, who looks totally out of his depth yeah. um, and Armstrong is still an unknown quantity um, and you know they bought Danny Ings and Danny Ings actually looks like he's a good player a so very good player so I suppose the other thing as well which um, I thought was quite interesting the St Mary's Musings article by Shelley Mush was the Angus Gunn transfer thing totally. and so this this is the thing where he was saying that, you know under Paul Mitchell and Les Reed um, you know they made mistakes in terms of the transfer window we, we've made plenty of mistakes along the way we've got a hell of a lot right as well but he was saying that he thinks the transfer policy has changed from actually trying to find the right players to fit into the Saints team and now it's actually about trying to find 
the gem that you can polish and then sell on. So the transfer policy is more about finding someone low cost, making them look all shiny and bright, selling on for loads of money. Basically, they want to do the Virgil van Dyke over and over and over and over again, rather than actually looking at what does the team need and trying to fill the position there. And Angus Gunn is his kind of case in point. Very good, young, promising goalkeeper. But we'd already solved that problem with Alex McCarthy. So did we actually need him to improve the team? No. Yeah. I mean, he's only played in the League Cup. He was fantastic in it. But, you know, Fraser Forster could be playing in the League Cup. Yeah. And I it, I completely agree with you. Now we've got, what, 70, depending on who you believe, 70, 80 grand's worth a week of goalkeeper Who's the third choice goalkeeper? Who is and he isn't even playing and he's not playing for the under twenty threes. Um and I think they can have older players in the red like one or two, aren't they? But has he retired from football? I mean he was England's second choice goalkeeper to Joe Hart, as Joe Hart was very he was destined to be his number one. I mean, like he's not getting I mean, to not even get on the bench, to not even play for the junior team, like Alfie Jones is playing, I think, for the under twenty threes. Um it's just totally bizarre mm. but again you're right it's haphazard it's it's almost like we've got so much mo- and we haven't got something but it's almost like we've got so much money that oh my god if a player like gun comes on the market we've got a game to stop yeah. someone else getting it's almost like a very like so like you can imagine like he was at man city but you can almost imagine like chelsea or man city doing yeah. it like we've got no intention of playing this guy um it's really weird and you know could we have spent that money on a player that would have really improved the team yeah you'd think so yeah I mean, it wasn't loads of money, but like, yeah, still sure. significant. Let, why, or why not add that to the transfer fee for Elianusi? Yeah. And rather than getting Elianusi, get Promise instead. Yeah. You know, for a bit more money, a bit more, you know, a bit more experience. To the completed yeah, yeah. Product. You'll get all, you know what? My God, sign a player from a Premier League team that's actually good. Oh, that's never going to happen, Tom. I mean, Danny, you, Ings, Danny Ings is about the only one. Yeah. And that was only because he'd had a whole year out injured. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've talked about Shelley Mush, we've talked about Jeremy Wilson. Um, Jeremy doesn't think Mark Hughes' job is on the line anytime soon. But if we lose to Fulham, what what can we do after that? Well, the games we've got coming up are... Personally, I'm, I mean, we're, we're recording this on Monday evening. I'm very surprised Mark Hughes is still in a job yeah. after Saturday. Um, the weird thing is I was at the Newcastle game Saints actually are not bad this is, if the game wasn't about scoring goals uh, if the game was about running around a lot and creating half chances Saints would be up there with the best in the planet oh, I think we've created more chances this season than Manchester Absolutely. Manchester United um, you know but, but but it's not unfortunately it's about putting the ball in the net and we, we can't do that so are they, are they going to get rid of Hughes I, I said I'm amazed to still in a job Um I, I I would have thought with the international break coming up, I imagine he's still in a job because there is literally no one else they can find of rep to, that they think is going to be any better. But if we look at the games we've got coming up, I mean, we have to beat Fulham. But then we had to beat Newcastle. We, we had, had to beat, to beat Watford. Watford. Yeah. Why, you know, Fulham are scrapping for their lives. And we'll see, so Saints fans will look at Fulham and think they're there for the taking. Yeah. This is the game that will kick on our season. But also Fulham fans will be looking at that game. this is our chance to get a, a It's exactly the, the season, same. You know, you know yeah. this is their chance to, to get a win and to get the confidence back. I, I mean, mean, even Cardiff City have won more games than us this yeah. season in the Premier League. And they look atrocious. They're terrible. And they've not signed, they've got no Premier League players. You know, they, they are literally exactly the same team that came up from the championship. And they've got Warnock as their manager. Yeah. You know, they've got supposedly a dinosaur, but, you know, he's got more teams promoted than any other any other manager in, in the UK. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But, you know, if we don't beat Fulham, and we have to beat Fulham, if we don't beat Fulham, you know, difficult ground to go to, small ground, a bit like the Dell, you know, like you can't see him staying. But then last season, how many times did we have, if we don't beat... Palace, you can't see Pellegrino staying. If we don't beat Leicester, you can't see see Pellegrino staying. He stayed. He stayed until they were like, you know, they almost went down. Yeah. And as bad as we are, we ain't there yet. No. Um, So we are, what, on equal points with, is it Huddersfield in the relegation zone at the moment? I mean, Newcastle are above us. I think we're just outside the relegation zone. But, but not by any points. It's on goal difference. Yeah, outside the relegation zone, which is which is not great. Anyway, 
Let's get into the game against Watford. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Starting lineup comes in, and the formation is different again. The personnel is different again. Mark Hughes still trying to find his best side, his best formation. 30, 30 games in now, Mark Hughes. Is that all competitions? Uh, There's 20 in the Premier League, I think isn't I saw it. it. I think, yeah, like 30, 30. I think it's, yeah, maybe it's 30, 20. I don't know. Yeah, tw- 20 in the Premier League. 20 so over half a season's worth. Yeah, and he still doesn't know who his starting 11 is. He still doesn't know what the formation is. So we go 4 3 3, third formation of the season, the Southampton way, what they're meant to be playing from the youth teams on up. And yeah, and again, you know, Armstrong, first start of the season. Why on earth didn't he start against Newcastle? You know, like, I don't know. He drops Elianusi. Gabby Dini comes in, a player that Mark Hughes clearly doesn't fancy. Um, it's just so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Hoyt starts despite all of the match, pre before the match, saying Hoyt won't play. <laughs> Yoshida comes in. Yeah. You know, like. So, I mean, why was Stevens dropped then? I don't know. Stevens, I mean, I can only talk about, the, I was at the Newcastle game. Stevens looked good. I mean, like, yeah. Newcastle okay. gave nothing going forward. But like, but what's going on? Like, is it, I mean, I was surprised that he didn't play Obafemi from the start mm. because I almost felt like it would be his way of sort of getting the crowd, you know, like the crowd yeah. really want to see someone different. Yeah. That's, and he clearly hasn't rated Gabbiadini that much, but then suddenly he's telling us that Gabbiadini's best position is on the wing. And yeah, he's, he's putting play, him on the wing. Off the left. It's just like, well, if that's his best position, it's obvious, you know, what's happened in the previous 19 Premier League games that you've been manager or, for. Also, like, Gabbiadini scored the classic Gabbiadini goal, didn't he? Like, that sort of the ball drops in the penalty area. And Gabbiadini Gabby happens, happens to be there. Scuffing it away, falling you know, over, yeah, like miss, a, hitting it, looking like in the back of the net. Extra out of, uh, you know, Gamora. But, like, he's there and he he finds, you know, the ball falls to him. Mm. But these players, like, it's like he's not in the same quality, but um, is it Miroslav Kloser, the guy who, the German forward, yeah. who scored, like, 13 goals in World Cups? The furthest one out was from the pen from like the penalty spot, but like there's a there's a talent to being yeah. there when the ball drops, um, and it was great to see Gabby get a goal. Um, totally agree. Before the Gabby Dini goal, we did concede an early chance to Delafeo in that match. I mean, what did you make of the game overall? I mean, we've got the Gabby Dini goal. We'll get on to the Bertram penalty, you know, which should have been for Watford. The Charlie Austin goal. Um, you know, all, all the chances and blows in the game. But overall, it kind of looked... It was like back and forth a bit, wasn't it? It wasn't... Yeah, it appeared to be that way. I mean, Saints conceding a deflected goal in the 82nd minute is about the most southampton thing that could have happened in that At game. At least we didn't concede another one after Yeah, that. which we could have done. Um, I don't know, what did it teach us that we didn't already know? It, it, sounds, it sounds blasé, it sounds like... Yeah, flippant. But like, what did we learn? We didn't really learn anything. We were unlucky. We had a load of shots. Yeah. Did we really test the goalkeeper? Maybe apart from Armstrong's. We didn't. I, I don't know what we learned. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the thing is, is that we know Saints under Hughes can create scoring chances. We did against Manchester City. You know, who hadn't conceded, I think, for five games before us we could create chances. We, I mean, Newcastle um, can we created chances? Yeah. Like, you know, Newcastle. We just can't the, finish them. Though. We just can't the finish point, them, yeah. and, and also like we got. I don't really believe in it, but we just don't have any luck. Like fundamentally, when it really comes down to it, we don't have luck. And I think the only bit of luck we've got all season is when we won the the penalty against Brighton, which you know mm. they were all over us, and we got a bit of luck. And even then, we couldn't hold on yeah. to it. So, so maybe we, we went two 0 up, which yeah. uh, Charlie Austin tells us that would mean game over. Game over. Yeah, not sure, Charlie. Um. The Charlie Austin goal was an atrocious decision from the officials, though. We cannot escape that. I mean, that was terrible. Wonderful little piece of work from Redmond. Brilliant from Redmond. Oh, it's beautiful. Cutting inside, in between the two Watford defenders. Finding the pass. Yeah, finding the pass. Charlie Austin, you know, good shot. Did take a little bit of deflection. Not off Maya Yoshida. It takes another deflection, which is another reason, I think, why he can't really be offside, isn't it? Like... Yeah, it's it's mad, but I you know I I've referees drive you mad. I mean, I, I and this is a, a 
this is a personal dig at the mm. referee, but like I, I think, but it, it exposes the wider concerns I have about the quality of refereeing, mm-hmm. which is he didn't. Can you really tell me that that referee, in the shape he's in, can keep up with those young <laughs> no, men? No, of course he can't. Like, and it, it sounds he's carrying and it, it the so, extra timber he, that I'm carrying, and I don't John, run around for a business John, for a like, job. Mate, you look nothing like him. <laughs> I mean, he looked like a yeah. He was carrying a lot of weight, and yeah. I'm sorry, like. They are they are meant to be athletes as much as the footballers yeah. are meant to be athletes and but they're not None they're of not them are. Well, and you know if you're tired bit. physically you are going to be tired mentally and you are going to make mistakes and you are going to bow to pressure and you are going to react to things in a, in a way you shouldn't do and I it was a terrible decision a, a really really shockingly bad decision and Charlie Austin went mad afterwards. But you know, like Charlie Austin's also been getting loads of grief, isn't he? Mm. On on Twitter, that's been turned into a meme with yeah, Blur's with Blur's part, which is you know now he's achieved lasting fame. But like, good, you know what? Is at least it was a little bit of passion. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see the passion. Charlie Austin was clearly very very frustrated. Um, obviously, Watford had a shout for a penalty. Bertrand shout, um, oh yeah, <laughs> but it definitely should have been a penalty. Bertrand yeah. pulled. Um, just it basically went straight through Chalaba, um to not Five even quite get goal, the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, basically, the referee was just atrocious. Both, both, no matter what way you look at it, Bertrand should have been sent off. Watford should have had a penalty. Southampton should have had another goal. The guy we was we not fit one. enough to manage two halves of a, of a Premier League game as a referee. Yeah, and I, someone said on Twitter, uh, and again, I, this is anecdotal, but. You know, if you're, and then it was the season to get a hold of saying, you know, you expect to see the ball hit a referee once a season, maybe twice. Yeah, and I you think. give a big cheer. You give a big cheer because it's, so it's, it's basically yeah. the best thing that happens in football. Um, or, or the second best thing, which is where people think the ball's gone in and it hasn't gone in. Yeah. That's the best. Um, but then, you know, it apparently hit him like three times. So, you know, you can't get out of the way. He's too fat. So, you know. Chris Cooper, I hope you're not listening to this. But yeah. You know, seriously, mate, get down to the gym. Go for a run. You're a professional athlete. Like, what, seriously, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, the problem is as well, like, Charlie Austin is not the fittest footballer. I think it's probably yeah, but he can outrun say. Chris Cooper. Can easily outrun Chris Cooper. But also, like, they must be looking at him going, like, you're going to keep up with me. You're yeah. going to, you know, you're going to keep up with this game. Yeah. The pace that the game is at is, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's such, is it Chris Hooper rather than Chris Cooper? Is it Chris Hooper? Yeah. yeah. Either Sorry. Way. Either way, we've, uh, you know, we've besmirched your good name. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know where we go with the Watford game. It, like, ultimately, terrible refereeing aside, I mean, which actually we should probably bring up the fact that we have had some terrible decisions against Watford last season. Oh, God, I last thought, season was the worst. Yeah. Um, Heart, heartbreaker heartbreaking Jason Dickey emailed in he's one of our favourite email, yeah, we love email inners if you'd like to email in like Jason Podcast at gmail.com looked much less dangerous after Ings went off despite the fact that Ings was playing with an injury passing was terrible and sloppy we gave away entirely too much possession and this is my biggest complaint about the match yeah we do that a lot we do give away possession too much um Says rubbish defending with rubbish clearances. Yeah, okay, so the Watford goal came from an absolutely rubbish clearance. Um, I think the missed penalty and disallowed goal bring too much attention away from a frustrating match. Again, something which Jeremy Wilson mentioned about, yeah. you know, deflecting the, you know, what, what basically the truth of what is happening is Saints are not being good enough, yet all the talk is about a Charlie Austin Park Life meme rather than yeah. Saints well, it's, it's, it's Trump, you know, it's classic. It's, it's deflection on the part of the yeah. team. Did Saints outplay Wolves? Uh, I think it means Watford here. Yes, because we certainly didn't outplay Wolves. Um, does that mean they probably should have won? Yes. Okay. Neither of those questions would be answered differently in almost any match we've played in the last 12 months. You know from my emails, I'm quite long-suffering with managers and board members and owners. Today was not any better than we have been seeing. This does not mean I am on the Hughes Out campaign trail or blame Kruger or even Gal. I don't have any clue what steps need to be taken to fix the situation. I don't think we have a bad team or even that our own recruitment has been that poor. I know I'm a crazy man. Put some brackets. There is simply some sort of mental hangover in the club. Yeah. Don't know if it's a lack of confidence or preponderance or arrogance, but there is something going on. 
Maybe we have missed on three managers in a row, but I doubt it. There's a cultural problem, a winning problem, and maybe the only solution is to try and survive and in the summer ship out the whole team and buy a new one without a clue. Jason. He does have a clue though, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think mentally he's totally right. I think if you look at how Saints fold, we mentioned the Brighton game. You know, two 0 up at home to Brighton. Brighton probably the yeah, worst. That is game over. That's game over. worst game over. away record of any team yeah. I think in the Premier League. We draw two all. We concede within two or three minutes of taking a two-goal lead. Even the Metropolitan lead. Police Force would have seen that game out if they were two <laughs> up against. Yeah. Brighton. Hey, my dad played for the Met Police. It's a high standard of football. I'll have you know. Um, but uh, you, you know, Sorry. like, so what's what's song, song do they come out to? Oh, um, I fought the law, isn't it? Yeah, I fought the law and the law one. It's <laughs> <Looks> good. <laughs> Sorry, and just more of this sort of thing. Yeah. No, it's why Saints come out. Saints yeah. are coming. Yeah, the pirates, right? Um, so yeah, like I, uh, I've lost my train of thought. I can't remember where, but I, I think he's, well, he's right. About, it's a cultural. The I think yeah. I mean, we saw it. Like I, again, I keep banging on about it, but when you, I was at the Newcastle game, like it's just Saints don't believe they can score, and even when they get in a, when they get in a, I almost think they're almost like overthinking it now. Mm. So Shane Long's chance against Newcastle at the very end, where you know if that had been like an Aguero. Aguero would have just hit it into the top corner yeah. and it would have gone in. But because it's Southampton, because it's Shane Long, and because Shane Long is so conscious of his goal record, like they try too hard. They, yeah. I, you really know, try to place it. In the they corner, try and place they? it, or they try. They think about it. Whereas, like the great right. footballers are so great because they don't seem to think; they just know. And Saints are trying to think. Do, do you know who the biggest? The player that I notice this in the most, ex-Southampton player, Theo Walcott. If it's instinct, the ball goes in the back of the net. Yeah. If he thinks about it for half a second, it all goes horribly it's confidence. wrong. confidence. Yeah. It's, if you just give him one-on-one, or, you know, but the minute they have to do something, I don't know, like Saints seem to have totally lost their ability to see out, see out games. You know, yeah. like, you know, against Leicester early this season, they kind of let... Maguire lumber forward in the 94th mm. minute like he's only going to do one thing he's not going to you know he's only going to shoot you know like the clearance for the for the goal on Saturday was awful it takes two deflections and mm. kind of goes in like I don't know what do you do about that well I mean that's the, that's the thing I think the whole attitude at the club needs to change I think even if Kruger is trying to be honest with the fans and say, look, the Southampton way is now buying cheap, selling big, staying in the Premier League, just don't lead with that. Just tell the world that you're trying to push for European football, that these players are going to be playing in the Champions League in three years' time. Sell a bit of a story, you know? At least if he shows some sort of ambition in his PR, something that we could kind of believe in and something that the players could believe in, then that that might be the thing which would actually kick people on because they think they're not thinking oh I've got to score because otherwise we're going to get relegated and how awful that's going to be. They're going out and thinking ah oh, if I score and we win we're going to be pushing on to Europe. It's just total mindset change and it, it needs to come throughout the club from the top through to the bottom. If you look at everything the club says, it's terrible. Yeah, like and I am biased to this because it's my job, but it's terrible. Can we get For, Tom Parker in to do the Saints PR? Yeah, I don't know if I'd. I, God, I think I'd run a mile. But like, <laughs> you know, like everything they say is terrible. So if you look, if we go down in layers, like Gal doesn't say anything, yeah. which is terrible. Kruger does these awful interviews, which, despite and I think it got to give, the echo gives him a good go, mm. but like you know, I've mentioned this to you earlier, John, when he talks about we've got a great roster. Now, like, if you're someone who is a, an imposter into the world of football, and he is an imposter, you know, he's a hockey man. I'm not saying that this is not transferable, but he, you know, football, they're old school. Yeah. Like, don't say, and people think he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Don't start talking about a roster. Yeah. You've got a squad. You haven't got a roster. No one in football outside North America has ever called it a roster. Like, the manager... You know, with this like we're not far off where we want to be. So we're either not far off where we want to be, or we're being cheated every week by officials. So there's no positivity there. Players drive people mad. Like Wall Prowse last season. You know, we're 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 confident we'll stay up. We don't. We're not thinking about relegation. We, the rest of us, everyone else is. And like you were only about four points yeah. off it come the end of the season. So like, 
everything that comes out the club is awful. Then you have, on top of that, the most important thing of all of it, the match day experience, despite all the fireworks and the nonsense. It's awful. So where do you, as a Saints fan, where do you take joy from? I, 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 if anyone can tell us, I'd love to hear it. Um, I take uh, joy from playing with Lego with my three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I think from beer. <laughs> I I take joy from Sunday roast with my fiance. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's not from saints at the moment it's not from saints it? but like but you know this is the problem isn't it no one would care if they turn in the occasional decent uh, home performance so anyway let's let's talk about joy and let's talk about if you were a foreign football fan coming to England to watch your first Premier League game travelling from the other side of the world yeah about a 12 hour flight where would you go John Probably Saints versus Newcastle. Oh, yeah, damn right you would. Tom, please tell me you've managed to get some semblance of joy into our Japanese contingent's lives. They came to they came to watch Saints versus Newcastle. They're interested in Mayan Shida, who obviously didn't play. Um, yeah. It's their first Premier League game. What's Japan famous for? Amongst many things, it's incredibly reliable train service. So, oh, yeah. If so you're in... Hopefully, that's all, that's all the best of that. Oh, yeah. So if you've ever been to Japan, you'll know that trains... When they say they leave on time, they leave on the minute that it's due to leave. Uh, no, on the, second, on, the second, on the second, yeah. the clocks count down on yeah, the like, time on the second. Things are never late. No. There's no industrial action. Uh, everything works perfectly. Um, and the food's welcome, incredible in Japan. And the food's well. incredible in Japan. Everyone's and incredibly polite. Everyone's and polite, and yeah, everyone like waits for everyone else to get off the train. Didn't have to lock up your bicycle when you leave. No, the the um, there's no, there's no swearing. Everything is lovely. I've spent time in Japan. It's really nice. They're lovely people. Uh, welcome to Southampton. Uh, these poor guys. You know what? They were two of the nicest guys. And I went. I so can't remember. The, the, you can't remember their name. I can't remember their name. I've got a lovely photo, and we'll put a photo yeah. of of me and my dad and the guys. Uh, but yeah, we, so we travelled with them. We met them at Water. No, they came to my house on the Friday. They, they interviewed me at home. Uh, I had to wear a shirt, which was an old friend's Providence shirt, which I think has shrunk over time. <laughs> uh, which is or funny ah, I think the shirt has shrunk. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and they interviewed me about Saints and about, about why Saints and, and what football means to me. Um, and then, yeah, and then and then we went. So we met them at Waterloo on Saturday morning. Um, obviously, there's a train strike. Thanks, Southwest Trains. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a big deal, guys. We'll get on the train. We go to Basingstoke. There's a train leaving Basingstoke. We get on the train. It's heaving. There's Newcastle fans on it. It's good. You know, we do loads of interviews. We get to Basingstoke. We've got three minutes to get on the train to Southampton. We can't get on it because everyone's trying to do the same thing. So we end up getting a cab from Basingstoke <laughs> to, Southampton. to Southampton. Oh, my life. With these poor Japanese fans and this bemused Japanese TV crew. So, so the film crew, you, your dad, and two Japanese yeah, football fans and, are all uh, in one cab? Another Saints fan called Rao and his son. Uh, we all went in these <laughs> cabs. This convoy. Cab? It's convoy. No, we had those. Oh, it, was convoy. Three com- it was a three-cab convoy. Oh, my God. Uh, taking these poor, bemused Saints fans, you know, and then they get to the ground. We do some filming outside the ground. Um, and then, yeah, we go and we, we watch Saints Newcastle, uh, possibly one of the most unexciting sporting experiences man's ever had. But you know what? They were lovely and they were they're good people. And I think that yeah, if you're going to come all this way and you're going to support Saints, uh, then, you know, we, you know, the, the club, I don't think was particularly good to them as far as I could work out. Like, they didn't get an interview with Yoshida. They didn't? No. They didn't put him up. Um, the the kind of the tickets were screwed up, so they kind of got split away from the rest of the crew. Oh. Uh, you know, like it wasn't the finest. Again, you know, it's, but it, like this is this this is Saints communicating. You know, Saints. This is a this is terrible. this is Japan. This is one of the world's wealthiest economies. I thought that all the outside of football stuff we were okay at. No, we're, we're going to this. We were garbage. You know, oh. not 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 that they said this. They didn't say this. But the impression I got was that we, you know, like freaking hell, Saints. They've travelled. From thousands the other side of miles, of the you know, I've been to Japan. It's a, like a twelve and a half hour flight. It's miles away. So they don't get the interview with Maya. They don't get the interview with Maya. They they don't get seats together. They there's a, I think the fans were sat together, but the they were with like a broader crew and they were mm. kind of split apart. 
You know, like it wasn't like it didn't seem to be great. I mean, not they didn't they didn't say a word in criticism. To be fair, but um, yeah, it was, it was. But I mean, maybe you know what? It's a classic, though, isn't it? If they'd won the game, you wouldn't be you wouldn't remember any of this no. stuff. Um, but they were lovely people. Did uh, they enjoy themselves? Yeah, they seemed to enjoy themselves. I think. I just think that you know they probably were just a bit underwhelmed. Yeah, you know, because everything you hear about it is the quality is so high. You know, it's so thrilling, like Premier League football is best football the in the fans, world. The, the atmosphere. The fans, yeah. atmosphere. You know, like Saints were, you know, where I was sat, Saint, you know, I was in the, the Northam and, and Saints fans were going for the Saints players after about five minutes. Mm. And, you know, after about 70 minutes, it turned into full-on booing. Um, and at 90 minutes, it wasn't pretty. But anyway, yeah. But they were lovely people. And, uh, yeah. Um Please come back when times are better. <laughs> it's not always like this, guys. No. Um, okay, so... I mean, we're, we're... I asked the question on Twitter to the Saints fans, where do we go from here? And I suppose the most true answer was Fulham away. And that is next for Saints. It's a dire-dire situation. A lot of people are talking about relegation, um... They're talking about going to the pub to drown their sorrows. And lots of people saying, well, we're going to go to Fulham away. That is so important, isn't it? I mean, this is a this is what our third six-pointer in four games, hmm. is it? Um, Newcastle, Watford, and now Fulham. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone thought we'd get anything M- must out. Must win for Marquise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, my, my, it's must a win must win for Fulham. Must win for Fulham. You know, um, I think they're probably both managers looking here at could be their last games. Jukanovic yeah. um, seems to be probably even more inept mm. than, than Hughes um, in terms of chopping and changing and no, and no formation. But look, Fulham are there for the taking. Everyone has gone to Fulham and got something, I think, mm. pretty much. You know, like Fulham are there and we can, you know, Let's just say we get a win at Fulham. John, where does that put us, all things remaining equal? Well, if we beat Fulham and nobody else plays or, or therefore gets a point, we'll be up to the heady heights of 14th in the getting, table. I'm getting a nosebleed just thinking about that, John. Um, it's still very, very close. I mean, there's two points that separate Newcastle in 14th and Huddersfield in 19th. Fulham are actually desperate. Fulham are on five points. Yeah. So, if Fulham won a game, they haven't they? I think they won one. Yeah. Um, Fulham need to win this game more than we do. Um, or they, as soon as they win it, we're also like down in deep doggy. We become Fulham. Yeah. You know, so yeah, Saints have to win. Um, it's an interesting one. It's an, obviously because it's an away game. So what does Hughes do? Does he pitch up with four three three away from home? Be a pretty brave thing. Well, we know that Fulham do. can't defend. Yeah. You're right. So we need to go gung-ho. What, if, I mean, if, there's, if there's ever a game where you need to go gung-ho, it's Fulham. And what are Fulham considered? Like two goals on average a game or something? Three goals on average a game? It's uh, Fulham have conceded 31 goals in 12, 12 games. games. So they're exceeding two and ne- a half that's goals. nearly three goals a game. Yeah, two and a half goals yeah. a game, which is phenomenal going, really. Um, look, you know, we need to do two things. We need to win and we need to fill our boots. You know, like, don't they? They need to, like, they winning 1 0 is almost to be not going to be enough. I take, take a 1 0. Yeah, goal. yeah. I take a 1 0 own goal, you know, but wouldn't it be great to see him fill the boots, you know, yeah. to get three or four, to play yeah. with real, like, shackles off? Yeah, maybe get Obafemi on, you know, for a second half, get a brace, you know. Yeah, get like Redmond, get Redmond, get a goal. Oh. Redmond deserves a goal. Shane Long. Shane Long ain't playing. <laughs> He's got a bad ankle, isn't he? Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, but with, we we uh, yeah, cannot stress this enough. They have to win. Yeah. I, was, I suppose the big thing is if we don't beat Fulham, we've got Leicester in the EFL Cup with Man City in the next round. That game, you know, pretty much don't care at this point. I like the Cups, but I can't see a separate game past Man City in the next round. Then we've got Man United at home and Spurs away. So if we don't beat Fulham then that's three games that we can look at without a victory. Then we have Cardiff away, which, again, is going to be must-win, whether, whether it's Hughes in charge or not at that point. Yeah, it's, it's... I don't know. I mean, the Fulham game, I don't think, can be understated in terms of its importance. Um, I can't really think... I mean, the, the closest parable which, sound, parable, which sounds nuts, is the Swansea game. 
from last season. You know, it feels like that already. And we're what, going to be like 13 games into the season. I don't, I don't feel quite as desperate as I did that. Yeah, but it's yet. yeah, but it's if you look at the run of games coming up, like yeah. we're not going to get any. You remember when we had, we had Swansea, but then we had I think we had to play the sort of Chelsea people. You know, like we we knew we weren't going to get points. So we have to get points. Yeah. And Fulham are there for the taking. Um, but they'll have had a, you know, like us, international break, chance to work on it with the players, sort out their defence. Saints have to go away. Maybe better for Saints to be away. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, I mean, have you got anything else to add to the podcast, Tom? Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you think we should? Not really. I know there's a lot of negativity. Um Mostly from us. Um, But look, what I would say is, look, the funny thing is they're not playing bad football. Like, they're not. And they, you know, they've, three of the last four games, they've played pretty well. They just need a break. Yeah. I'm an optimist. I think they'll get a break. Break's break's coming against Fulham. It has to come at some point. Okay, well, on that note, a famous victory for Saints versus Fulham at Craven Cottage. Car Saints. Um, unfortunately, I won't be there. The tickets are already sold out. I'm at Centre Park. It's going to be a nightmare on that one. Oh, mate. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, if you've enjoyed listening to the Saints FC podcast, please do get in touch. Podcast at gmail.com or at saintsfcpodcast on Twitter. Thank you so much for sticking with us. 50 episodes in, I cannot believe it, the audience numbers still continue to grow. People actually like listening to us chatting about Saints, Tom. It goes to show that, you know, they'll do anything rather than watch the team. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much, everyone, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.